good problem again tonight, with enough cushions. Right? Always a good problem. Um, this talk tonight, brief talk, is um, in some ways a, a repeat of a, a talk I gave last Sunday at SR Zenkai. We had, uh, for those of you who heard it twice, forgive me. Um, the title of it, to give it a title, is Dwelling in Time and Space. And uh, last Tuesday, for those of you who were here, um, we talked a little bit about um, uh, the past and how the past relates to the present and uh, how we look through the spectacles of the past to sort of experience our present moment. It's coloured by past experiences, um, often by unpleasant past experiences, you know, so that we can avoid them experiencing them again. Just a bit of background. In Zen practice and in the practice of mindfulness generally, um, we hear about practices about living in the present moment. And that can create some kind of confusion. So it's the present moment which is disconnected from the past or the present moment that the that exist disconnected from the future. But when you really look into it, you see that the, the past is in the present and the future is in the present, not separated. And eventually they're all words. In the Diamond Sutra, um, it says that past mind cannot be grasped. Present mind cannot be grasped. Future mind cannot be grasped can't grasp the present moment. But often new new meditators are actually trying to do that and the experience becomes frustrating. But think of it not as um, a thing. The present moment's not a thing. It's slippery, as you might have noticed. You know, you can't get hold of it. It's always moving. It's flowing. So really the point of practice is to enter the flow of the present moment and to change the words around. It's more like it's not being in the moment, it's momenting. It's a verb, momenting, flowing, being with the with the process as it's changing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we can mindfully look at the past. You know, people do that in in psychotherapy quite a lot. They look at previous things that happened, say, in their childhood or in their earlier life, and they're looking at it in an objective, mindful kind of way, rather than just being lost in it. That can be useful. We also, all of us, do um, plan, and we need to. We couldn't have got here tonight unless we planned. There's nothing necessarily dysfunctional about that, because we're doing it mindfully. You know, you, you're organising your life so that something can happen. It's where we just rummage around in the past and dwell in the past, and where we live in the future and take up residence there try to that it becomes problematic. That's why we refer to coming back to the present so much. So we looked a little bit last week at the past. Let's look a little bit more at the future. And to understand how we relate to the future is connected to our past. Because what I said before was that all of us as human beings experience um, pleasant and unpleasant things. And as um, evolutionary psychologists and neurologists, you know, emphasize more and more 
is that our brains are actually wired up to, re to remember negative things mm -hmm. um, rather than positive things because it's a survival mechanism. And the more of experience we accumulate, we tend to actually um, perceive the world as being more threatening or more dangerous than what it actually is because we've accumulated so many memories of negative experiences. But what happens as human beings is that we have a, a bank of, um, of emotional memories and then as we're going through space and time living our lives, um, we're subject to what the Buddha referred to as the eight worldly winds, mm -hmm. which are um, uh, pleasure and pain. These are the things we get blown around by. Pleasure and pain, praise and blame, uh, gain and loss, and fame and infamy, or fame and disgrace, you know, whatever word you want to use. And when you think of it, a human being is try trying to pursue happiness. And what happiness is for most people is trying to get more of the positive things. Like get the positive things, the pleasure, mm -hmm, the fame, you know, the praise, mm -hmm, the gain, and avoid all the others. Avoid the loss, avoid the infamy. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the nature of a human being. And the principle, that, the psychological principle, which is at the core of Dharma teachings, whichever school it is, is that what we might call our ego is this this process that we set up of um, grasping at the gain, grasping at the pleasure, trying to avoid any negative experience, and it's impossible. We've set up set up an impossible task, and as we try and control our life in that kind of way, we create an experience of dissatisfaction. So. When we live in the past, we tend to tends to be more associated with what we might call today as depression, like a sense of regret and sadness about what has occurred before. But when we tend to live in the future, it's more like an experience of anxiety, like of what if, like what's going to happen next? Is it going to be good, or is it going to be bad? Mm -hmm. And so, what happens in a human being's experience, and all of us do it to one degree or another. It's on this trajectory of past into future is that we're all trying to control our future and we can't. We can't control it. There is a distinction between um, controlling and influencing. And to give an example that I used the other day just from a domestic situation, in our home just down the road here, in all these heavy rains that we, we have, our, our bottom floor tends to um, flood, comes in through the sandstone. And um, what I discovered is that we've got a, a gutter that's not put on correctly and it gathers a lot of leaves and everything and they build up and then it overflows onto the ground and then it floods. So I have no control over the El Nino effect whatsoever. Uh -huh. Can't do anything about it. But I can clean the gutters, right? That's what I can do. So it's not as though we're totally helpless, you know, in terms of our experience in life, but it's, it is the distinction between influencing what's occurring, you know, and trying to control. But all of us are certainly 
caught up in controlling. And it's the, it's the anxiety that drives our life. Um, the inf- part, part of the insight or at the core of the insight that comes from, from Dharma practice is realizing this through and through and through the lesson that you cannot control life. And as soon as that's the ego working, as soon as you give up that control, something wonderful happens. You know, there's a, a, a natural kind of serenity starts to come into your life. A very um, wonderful saying, which always comes back to me from time to time, which comes from the um, the uh, Christian humanitarian Albert Schweitzer, um, who was very well known for his work he did in Africa. Um, he was a very wise man and you can see the wisdom in his words. But he said there's different ways of looking at the future and some people are, look at the future through the eyes of optimism and some people look at the future through the eyes of pessimism. But from a Buddhist point of view they're both deluded. They're both projections onto what might happen. And they, caught, they both cause their own kind of um, uh, suffering in a way, even optimism. And what Albert Schweitzer said is, is that an optimist is a person who sees a green light everywhere they go. And a pessimist is someone who sees a red light everywhere they go. But the truly wise person is colorblind. In other words, they don't project the control of optimism onto the future, and neither do they project the control of pessimism onto the future. Neither. <clears throat> what happens if you do neither? You just let it unfold as it is. Attention drops away. So that's the nature of time, you know, past, present, future as we live our lives. Just to say something briefly about the space dimension of our lives too, because we live in time and space. And when you reflect on it, aren't time and space mysterious things? You think about it, extremely mysterious. We can't pin them down, and yet they're here. But with space, we tend to have the way that we think as human beings, because we think with language, and we think in a kind of very linear kind of way. So our thoughts follow a, a sort of a, a, a progression of cause and effect often like beads on a string, you know, one following the other. And so a lot of our consciousness tends to be very narrow. And because that's the way we think, we often really think the world's like that. But it only, only takes a moment of reflection to realize that the world isn't that narrow one by one step. When you reflect on it, just come into this moment now, everything is happening at once. Everything. And we don't control it, your heart's beating. Mm -hmm. Your blood's doing all interesting kind of things, you know, the white cells and red cells. Your liver's doing interesting things, your brain's doing interesting things. And we're not controlling it. It's just doing what it's doing. And then there's the environment just doing what it's doing. It's all interconnected. 
That's the, the Buddhist realization is that everything is interconnected in space. There's really no, the sense of separation is really a false one and everything interacts with everything else all the time. Everything is happening all at once, without division. Um, the practice of Sazen, what we're doing, this central practice, which is central to the Zen tradition, is so wonderful because um, in the very act of just sitting still, in this upright, symmetrical way, sitting relaxed, calm, still, silent, not getting caught up in thoughts, just watching them go by, you actually undo over time all that sense of false control. And it's through undoing and seeing into and undoing that sense of false control, that's where equanimity and joy and compassion enters into your life, which is the whole point of this.